you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. So Lloyd Allen Arthur, 76, Indianapolis, formerly of Greenfield, passed away peacefully at his home on January 15, 2007. He was born August 1, 1930 in Jim, Indiana to the late Albert and Lois Arthur. Lloyd graduated from New Palestine High School in 1948 as co-valedictorian. A lifelong area farmer and agricultural enthusiast, he married Flora Jean Gunn in front of the Christmas tree on December 18, 1948. He was preceded in death by Flora Jean in 1997. He is survived by his son Bill, daughter Debbie, and son Ned, grandchildren and five great-grandchildren. It's a lot more than five great-grandchildren now, uh, let me tell you. But Lloyd was honored as a master farmer in 1980, a longtime participant and proponent of the agricultural cooperative system on local, state, and national levels. Lloyd travels to, traveled to Kyrgyzstan in 1998 to share the co-op concept with farmers there. Mr. Arthur served as a Brandywine Township trustee, Hancock County Farm Bureau president, Hancock County Fair Manager and Sheep Superintendent and on Hancock County ASC, FHA, and co-op boards. He served as a board member of Hancock County Bank and Trust, the National Ag Lender Co-Bank, and as president of Indiana Farm Bureau Co-op. Mr. Arthur was a member of Mount Lebanon United Methodist Church and more recently an active leader. Man, I practiced this like six times you know, before I did this. He was more recently an active leader and volunteer at Indianapolis First Church of the Nazarene. And he was a lifetime member of the Riley Wranglers, which is a you know, square dance group. He attended a great many ball games and queen contests, county fairs, state fairs, and other events of notable importance. Visitation will be from 4 to 8. Wednesday, January 17th at Hendricks Mortuary. So he was my grandpa. Right? What legacy will you leave? What legacy will you leave? What mark will you make in this life, as you look out over the landscape of your hopes and your dreams, your plans, what mark is it that you want to make? As you know, so many people's lives, they're defined by accomplishments, right? The things that we achieve, the things that we're able to build, the things we're able to win, all that we're able to do. Our lives are defined, they're marked by accomplishment, and as a result then, what is left are our accomplishments. So our lives are defined by accomplishments, 
They're also defined by accumulation. You know, all the things that we're able to, to gather, to, to take in, to collect, we're, we're defined so often by accumulation. You know, I thought it was so funny <laughs> just yesterday. So Ruby, uh, she's our seven-year-old daughter. And Ruby was wanting to make uh, some money, so I made a deal with her. Well, Ruby, if you will vacuum one room of the house uh, every day during the week, I will give you a dollar on Saturday. And so Ruby, boy, she really looks forward to getting her allowance on Saturday, getting that dollar. So yesterday she came into the living room where Nicole and I, my wife, were at. And she said, all right, I'm going out to the van to get my one dollar. And I thought, man, that's funny because that's life, isn't it? I mean, doesn't that pretty much sum up the the lives of 95% of this world? What are you doing today? Getting the one dollar. What are you doing tomorrow? Getting the one dollar. That defines our life. That's what marks our life, is this pursuit of accumulation. And so as we look at the world and see all the, the accomplishments that are gathered, all the accumulation that is brought in, I want to ask you today, what will your legacy be? What legacy will you leave? And I want you to know that my aim this morning is this. To persuade you to leave behind what so many will not. That's our aim. To leave behind today what so many will not. Now what is that something? Well, I'm not going to tell you that yet, but I believe that we find it in our passage of scripture here today. It's Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. You can turn there in your Bibles uh, if you like. This is where we're working from today. But we're asking the question, what legacy will I leave? And reading this verse, it says, The righteous man leads a blameless life. Blessed are his children after him. Who's the subject of that verse? It's the righteous man, right? We're told that the righteous man leads a blameless life. Blessed are his children after him. And so my question for you this morning will be, well, who is the righteous man? You know, what is it that makes an individual righteous? How can one attain or or get to that status to be called a righteous individual? Well, to answer that question, I'd have us look at Romans chapter 3, verse 22. And Romans 3.22 says that we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true, it says, for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So notice there what I have highlighted, that we are made right. How are we made right? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. So in other words, what's that saying? It's saying that the righteous man... That righteous individual who is right, is in a right standing, a right position with God, is he who has placed his faith in God. Specifically, he who has placed his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, to show you an example of a righteous man, what what does the life of a righteous man look like? Well, as an example of a righteous man, I'd refer you to Abraham. It's Romans chapter 4, verse 3, where it says that Abraham... Believed God and God counted him as righteous 
because of his faith. Why was Adam count, Abraham, why was Abraham counted as righteous? It was because of his faith. Understand that Abraham, Abraham was a God believer. So I wonder, I want to ask you the question, are you a God believer today? Because you know, back in Genesis chapter 12, when Abraham was called by God, God told him, listen Abraham, I want you to leave your family. He said, I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave everything that you hold dear. And from this day forward, I want you to follow after me. He said, Abraham, from now on, I'm to be your pursuit. I want you to trust in me. I want you to place your faith, all of your belief. I want you to fix your eyes on me, Abraham. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God and he left not knowing where he was going. So he believed in faith. He didn't know what was going to come next. You see. Abraham didn't know how it was all going to turn out. How it was all going to shake out, wash out. Abraham did not know. But he left without knowing where he was going. Because he believed God. And so I want to know this morning. Are you a God believer? Are you at a place in your life? Have you come to that place? Where you believe God when He says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, are you believing God in that today? Are you believing God when He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. This is not by works so that no man can boast. Are you believing in God today? Friend, are you believe in God when He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. He must take up his cross. He must follow after me. Are you believe in God when He says, therefore, go. Go, friend, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you until the very end of the age. Are you believe in God when He says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Are you believe in God when He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they are the ones who will see God. Are you believing God today? That moment in time came for Abraham. That moment came when Abraham had to make a decision. Will I believe God? Will I trust today in the promises of God? Will I begin to follow after Him, not knowing where I'm going to go? Not knowing where it will lead. Not knowing how it will all shake out. But that moment came for Abraham. That moment comes for every one of us when we must make that decision to believe God. And you know, the Bible says that if we believe God, if we place our faith in Jesus Christ, that we are counted as a righteous man. So a neat thing happens then in our verse because we see that our subject, the righteous man, that once we are filled up with the righteousness of Christ, we're told that, that the blameless life then exudes from that righteous man. I almost think of it as a, as a bursting forth. Blamelessness bursts forth from the righteous man. And the thought of bursting is, is uh, comforting to me because when I look at my life and all of my shortcomings and failures, I think, man, there's a lot that bursts from me that is not savory. Right? There's a lot of things that burst from me that are not 
clean. I was thinking about my pores. You know, I've got dirty pores. Blackhead, I mean, an infected pore. I mean, it's nasty. Why? Because I'm filled up with sin so often. Nasty. But understand that the righteous man, blamelessness, exudes. When, we, when you and I, when we're filled up with the righteousness of Christ, it is His purity, it is His blamelessness, it is His integrity, His goodness that flows through us. That's a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing to see in the life of a righteous man, the blameless life. Now, what does the blameless life look like? We talked about who the righteous man is. Let's talk about a blameless life. For that example, I would refer you to Job. And God called Job certainly a blameless man. We see in Job 1.1 here, he says, There was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. So the Bible says that Job, he was blameless, meaning complete integrity, a flaw could not be found in him. And so I wonder, well, man, what what does that kind of life look like? How does that live out? And, And we have two tells that we're given here in our verse. The first is that he feared God. So we're told that, that Job, he feared God. Now what does that mean to fear God? To have the fear of the Lord in our hearts. Well, you know, the church reformer, uh, Martin Luther, back in the 16th century, he really wrestled with this whole idea. What does it mean to fear God? What is an appropriate view of who God is and who I am? And when it came to the fear of the Lord, he distinguished it uh, in two different ways. He distinguished fear. So these will be your fancy words for the day, okay, that you can write on your note card and share with your buddies if you're into that. Okay, so Martin Luther on fear. He said there are two kinds of fear. He said, first of all, there is servile fear. I know there's an E on the end, but it's servile. He said, first of all, there's a servile fear, and then there is filial fear. Okay, there's servile fear and filial fear. And Martin Luther said that servile fear is an oppressive fear. Okay, servile fear is, is, the, is the, the kind of fear that is filled up with a, with a terror. As an example, you might think of a prisoner. Okay, a prisoner who, who's been shackled. You know, he's enslaved, he's been uh, subdued. And, and this prisoner, he lives in terror of his captors. He lives in terror of the man who comes uh, to, to torment him. He lives in terror awaiting the day when he will see the executioner at the guillotine. I mean, he lives his life filled up with terror. And Luther said that is servile fear, which is not the fear of the Lord. Okay, servile fear is not the fear of the Lord. Rather, it would be filial fear. Now, what does that mean, filial Well, filial is taken from a Latin concept about the family. And so the whole whole idea here is you might might think of a a young boy. And this young boy, he he looks up to his his father. Why? Well, because his father, he's the protector. 
right? His father's the provider. His, his father's the one who, uh, who gives him food. His father's the one who gives him drink. His father's the one who gives him a warm uh, bed to sleep in, who kisses his boo-boos. You know, when he's hurting, his father is the one. His father is the only one. And so there, there is worship there. There is adoration. And the boy doesn't even fully know why, but he knows, man, this guy has his eyes out for me. He is in love and provides for me. And so all my awe, all my attention, I'm going to fix and focus on him. Remember I said a young boy. I know when they get a little older that, you know, that wavers a little bit. Um, but as a, as a young boy, boy, our, our attention, we're just, we're just fixed and drawn to the love of God. So filial fear, it's talking about reverential fear. Standing in awe of the king. Bent beneath his holiness and his goodness. I wonder, do you have a proper reverential view of God today? Do you have a proper view of God? Who he is and who you are? I don't have to tell you that we live in a day where the fear of the Lord is on the edge of extinction. I don't have to tell you that the, the fear of the Lord, there is a small remnant of individuals who remain that still fear the name of the Lord, who stand in awe of Him, who wait on His words and seek after His face and His face alone, who wonder at His holiness. It's a small group of people who still fear the Lord. I think about Romans chapter 3 verse 18. Romans 3.18, it says that there is no fear of God in their eyes. And that's the world in which we live, right? There is no fear of the Lord in their eyes, but stream, may that not be true of us. May we have a proper understanding, a right view of who the reigning sovereign king is, and that we, we bow in that view with a whole heart. That we would bow seeking after him. For he alone is the king who is good and righteous forevermore. Praise be to his name. So by way of application I would just say this. God is not your dude. Okay. (laughs) Understand that. God he is not your dude. He is not your uh, homie. Understand that God he is not your brother from another mother. That is not God. Now, I would say that God is your friend. I will grant you that. But may we always remember that God is a friend whom someday you will see sitting on a throne in heaven. And that throne, it will be surrounded by, the Bible says, it will be an emerald-like rainbow. That's the kind of friend that our God is. So may we reverentially sing of Him, reverentially bow before Him, reverentially speak His name in light of His holiness. That is a proper view, a correct view when it comes uh, to the fear of the Lord. And we see that in the life of Job. For it says, He was blameless, a man of complete integrity, and that he feared God. And then secondly, we see that he stayed away from evil. Okay, the staying away from evil, that's the second mark 
of the blameless life. Now I'd confess to you today that as a dad, you know, as a, as a guy, as a pastor, as a husband, as a Christian, I'm really frustrated. <laughs> and I'm frustrated because of how hard it is to keep evil away. Isn't it? It's so hard to stay away from evil. It seems around every bend, around every corner, around every turn, at every click, blink, and page, evil's there. You know, it's right there. It's like, how how did evil get in here? I was trying to keep it. How did evil manage to find a way in? Evil's like fruit flies. That's what I was thinking Evil is like fruit fly. How, how is evil like fruit flies, Shane? Well, I mean, they just appear. You know, it's like, how, how did fruit, that fruit flies weren't here yesterday? Where did they come from? You know, where, where are fruit flies born? Where do they die? I never see a dead fruit fly. Where do they come from? That's how it is with evil. You know, evil's like fruit flies. It slides in and so often. We find ourselves right next to it. And you know, the Bible says to stay away from evil. We're told that, that Job, he stayed away from evil. Now, why am I holding this? I'm holding this because this is going to be our example, our illustration of evil. Now, you're going to have to use your imagination a little bit, but you can do it. So we are going to dress this mic stand up to be just the most, the most evil, okay, the most vile, the most disgusting thing that you've ever seen in your life, okay? So whatever it is for you, I want you to dress up, you know, this mic stand. I mean, we'll put some some cobwebs on it. You know, there's some there's some blood, you know, dripping down this mic stand. We got fruit flies, you know, they're flying all over my mic stand. We got fruit flies. I mean, it's just now, you know, it, it's stinky, it's it's decaying, it's it's wet, it's just awful. And the Bible says that we're to stay away from it. Says, flee it. Where am I standing? Right beside it, right? Doesn't that often happen in the Christian life? You know, we're told to stay away from evil, and yet we find that we stand right beside it. But Job, it says, Job, he stayed away from evil. He did not stand beside. Job stayed away. An illustration of this, I thought I would use my son Samuel. He's one year old and he's struggling with staying away uh, from evil right now. <laughs> and uh, Sam's particular form of evil, okay, his his mic stand here would take the form of our uh, great big huge new television set that we got uh, for Christmas, because Sam loves to go up to the television set and place his nubby, grubby, greasy fingers, you know, and just just rub it uh, on the television set. So I'm, wanted, I'm going to show you how this, this whole process works uh, for Sam, and I, I think you'll find some application, you know, for your own life. Okay, so this, so I'm going to be Sam. So Sam walks into the room, his head is down. I think he's trying to be inconspicuous. You know, his thought is, I'm going to see if anyone will notice. So, so he walks into the room and his head is down. 
hands her to his side. He takes a few more steps. He's kind of got the penguin thing going on right now, so that's why. So he takes a few more steps. He waits again. No one says anything. And keep him, I forgot to mention, this is like 10 o'clock at night. Okay, so old dad, he's pretty much, you know, worn out, burnt out, ready to put this day to rest, right? Okay, let me continue. So Sam, he continues to walk. So about this time, Sam, let's not do it, man, not tonight. Come on, bud. We did this like, come on, man, not tonight. Sam, 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 I'm telling you to stay away from the thing. And here's where it gets tense, because right now, out comes the finger. You know the finger? This is interesting, because he does, he's not going to touch it with his whole hand. He just... And, I'm not embellishing on this story in any way, okay? This is exactly how it happened. He holds out this one darn finger, like this. Sam, so help, Sam, don't, Sam, don't touch that thing. And he stops. And I mean, his finger, it's like fractions of an inch away from the TV. And he's doing this at 10 o'clock at night. But we do that too, don't we? We try to stand right beside evil. You say, well, I, I, no, I'm not, I'm not touching it. We give it an air hug. We give that evil an air hug. I'm not touching it. Nope. Nope, not me. I'm holy. I'm a Christian. I'm following after Christ. I'm staying away from the evil. No. We're not staying away from the evil. We're standing beside the evil. And the Bible says that Job, he stayed away from the evil. You know, I think about Joseph. You remember him in the Old Testament, you know, back in Genesis, and he was working in his master's house, and his master's wife, she saw Joseph, and evidently she thought, you know, Joseph was, you know, a pretty neat guy. And so she came towards Joseph. But what did Joseph do? He ran. Right? Joseph took off. Joseph was not going to stay around in that place. He wasn't concerned about defending his name. It didn't matter what other people thought. Joseph was out of there. He was running for his life. He was staying away from evil. And yet so often, we stand right here, fractions of an inch away, like we're holy or something. But the Bible, it says to stay away. And I thought about 1 Corinthians 10.13. That temptation verse, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God is faithful so that when you're tempted, He'll provide a way, a way you can stand up under it. He'll provide a way out. Well, listen, I want you to know this, that the way out that God is, will, has promised to provide for you, it is not right here. Okay, this is not the way out of the temptation that God will give you. The way out where God will place you is over here. Let's go over here. I'm going away from the evil. For that is where God would have us to be. Flee immorality. The Bible says, let it, let, let it not even have a hint of you. See, if you're standing here, you have some of that smell. It'll get on you. So stay away. You know, I thought it was it. We have, a, we have Amazon Prime. And I don't know how we got Amazon Prime. I don't, you know, but it's there. That's all I know. So one day I'm on there and it has uh, the movies that are like, they have a higher rating, a worse rating. They'll have a lock on them, right? 
So I know, well, hey, I'm not going to watch that. But you know what I do? I, I noticed this a couple weeks ago. I'll like go and I'll like, like read the little, the little premise about the movie. Even though I know I wouldn't watch it. I click on just to read the premise of that. Why would I do that? See, sin is subtle. And sin is sneaky. And it enters in in ways that we cannot even see, cannot even imagine. And so it is with wisdom that we're told to stay away from evil. So I want to encourage you today to understand that that is a mark of the blameless life. When, when you and I, when we're filled up with the righteousness of Christ, okay, the ability to do good, it begins to emanate, it begins to burst forth from us. When that happens, the Bible says that that, that that will manifest itself in a blameless life, which is marked by what? Fear God, right? Fear God and staying away from evil. That's the blameless life. So the righteous man, Proverbs 20, verse 7, leads a blameless life. And then it says, blessed are his children after him. So this is Lloyd Arthur, and that would be me, you know, there, here years and years ago. Um, But you know, Grandpa, he farmed in Hancock County uh, for over 50 years, and one of the things that I heard him say was that I would rather farm six days with Jesus than seven days without him. Okay, now what did he mean mean by that? I'd rather farm six days with him than seven days without him. Well, Grandpa was saying, look, I'm not going to farm on Sunday. And he was saying, that day, that's, that's going to be the Lord's day. That day's going to be set apart for him. And I remember Sunday mornings. You know, if you were lucky enough and were able to spend the night at Grandpa's house... Uh, on Saturday night, you got to uh, go to church with him the next morning. And, you know, all week, uh, Grandpa was a farmer, so he had this old farm truck that he drove around. But on Sundays, he had the nicest Cadillac that you've ever seen. And he pulled that sucker out once a week. And it was to go to church. I'm sure they probably drove a couple other places. But Sunday mornings were for the Cadillac. On the front of that Cadillac, there's a license plate. It said, meet me in church on Sunday. And so we'd all pile into that Cadillac, and and he'd get on the radio, and man, he'd crank crank the volume up all the way. He had these little knobs or or dials, and and so he would turn the bass all the way. There was this bass knob all the way to the top, and then there was treble, I think. And the treble was all the way uh, down the bottom. And he would crank the same song every single Sunday. What do you think it was? Any guesses? You'd never guess. The Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. (laughs) Yeah, baby. You know it. I fell into a burning ring of fire. Now, Grandpa Lloyd, you know, he had eight uh, grandsons. I don't know if maybe he was trying to send us a message uh, on the way to church, you know, looking back. Um, I think he probably did. He'd also uh, play I Walk the Line. I know for sure he was sending a message um, by playing that. But his life, guys, it was marked by faithful service. 
It was marked by, by love for family, love for his Savior, love for his church, love for his Lord. I remember standing in that, that old church and we'd sit on the second row because Grandma played the organ, right? And so we'd sit on the, the second row there and he and I, I'd hold one end of the hymnal here and he'd hold the other. And I remember hearing him sing, I stand amazed in the presence of of Jesus the Nazarene, and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. I'm telling you that. I'm showing you this. Because understand, I'm the blessed child. Righteous man who led a blameless life. It says, blessed are his children after him. Friends, I'm a blessed child and I praise God for that. I'm a blessed child. I ask you this morning, what legacy will you leave? When you look out over your life, what mark is it that you want to make? Because so many, they strive after accomplishment. So many individuals, they they work to to accumulate. That's what defines them. That is what is left. But what will you leave? Well, I'm going to tell you. Jesus. (laughs) My encouragement to you would be to strive not to leave a legacy to leave not a mark at all, but to simply leave Jesus. Now, why do I say that? Well, look at that. The righteous man. Who is it that makes a man righteous? It's Jesus. It's through faith in Christ, His righteousness fills me, indwells me, and enables me to live the blameless life. So to whom do we credit the blameless life? Is it me? Is it my effort? Is it my discipline and skillful willpower? No. It's Jesus Christ. And I'd ask the same. Who will bless your children? Who will bless your family? Who will bless those in your life when you're no longer there to bless? It's Jesus. What legacy will you leave? Don't leave one, guys. Leave him Jesus. So the righteous man, the faith-filled man, filled with faith in Christ, that righteous man leads a blameless life, which is marked by what? It's marked by the fear of God and marked by staying away from evil. That righteous, faith-filled man who leads a blameless life, blessed are his children after him. That's Proverbs chapter 20. Verse 7, I just want to encourage you, leave you with this. Who is it that makes the life righteous? It's Jesus. Who is it that makes the life blameless? It's Jesus. So understand today when you look at your life with God, if you're at a beginning point today, I mean, wouldn't that be great? If today was the day when you say, you know what, I'm going to believe, I'm going to begin to walk in obedience to God's call upon my life. Whether you're beginning or, or maybe you're continuing today, you say, you know, I, I was, was going this way and I, I've gotten off track, but today I, I want to reaffirm that, that commitment 
to seek the face of the Lord. So whether you're beginning or you're in the middle or, or maybe you're finishing today, he said, I praise God for the life that he's given me, for the faithfulness that he's extended to me, and now I pray that he give me opportunity to share with others how good and faithful he is. Wherever you're at, it can begin today. Okay, you can begin today. Don't worry about the past, the accumulations, all the time spent on accomplishment. Just let it fall and embrace your king today. Embrace him. I want to encourage you, would you bow your heads with me? Just want to give you an opportunity to be still with him. And you know, Where are you at on your faith journey? Are you at the beginning point, the middle point, the ending point? Whatever point you're on, what's the, what's the response that the Spirit is leading you to give to Him today? What do you want from God? What do you need from God? Tell Him today. Heavenly Father, how I love Your law. How I pray that our hearts would be like the psalmist's heart. That our hearts are set on you. Would you lead us from away from what is false? Lead us away from what is trick, trickery. Lead us away from what will fail. And lead us toward you today. God, cause my heart to hunger for righteousness. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would pour through my pores, enabling me to live a life that is blameless, that honors you, and that blesses those are in my wake. Blesses those around me. I pray that for each person here. Father, just awaken a hunger for holiness today. A desire and expectation that there is nothing greater, fuller, mightier, more wonderful And the life that is found in Jesus Christ. And the life that is spent in honoring His name. Bust away the dross. Blow away the chaff today, we would pray. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask it. Amen.